From the unexplained to the mundane, come join us on a journey to the fringe. Hello and welcome to Journey to the Fringe, the cardamom on your podcast Spice Rack. We are your spicy hosts, Taylor and Chelsea. And today we are following up. I've decided if we're just talking about him in general, I want to call him Billy just to give him a bit more character. Most of the articles I read on him are William, but I like Billy. And today we are following up on our Billy Moore stuff. Chelsea has a little bit of the biography to get into, and then we'll see how it goes from there. So yeah. Chelsea, without further ado, why don't you take over? Okay, I will. I just have a quick question before we get into it. Cardamom. Yeah, <laughs> it's one of those things that people kind of vaguely know, but most people couldn't tell you what it is or the specific taste of cardamom, but it's there. Yeah. It's something that we're all vaguely aware of. Okay. That does say journey to the fringe. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Also, we know nothing about cardamom. Sorry, we are not a cardamom <laughs> podcast. Okay, let's just move on. Okay. Welcome back to round two of Another Asshole. Last week, if you remember, and I think Taylor's giving his personality a little bit too much possessed by calling him Billy. I think William slash Bill is about the amount of vanilla he's coming off as to me. Vanilla might be too spicy for this guy. It might be too spicy. There's a lot of flavor in vanilla. (laughs) Just like ice cube. Hence why he's so forgettable. But I do like Billy. It has a ring to it. But I feel like it's too spicy for this guy. Like you said. Last week we talked about a couple of well-known books that Moore did on some stuff. And this guy's kind of coming along and developing to us in a weird way. We're not doing it the usual way that we do assholes. We're kind of breaking it down into the impacts he's had on the UFO community in our episodes. Lesson being, while we can't remember Bill Moore generally as a person, we do remember his books that have shaped the UFO community. And it's idea that we can recognize to this day being Area 50, uh, no, the Roswell crash. And what's the other one? Philadelphia experiment. The Philadelphia experiment. So these are still ideas that are shaped by Bill Moore. Where we left off was with Bill Moore being contacted by a mysterious telephone person who refers to himself as Falcon. You know what? I'm just going to give you the quote again. You don't have to go back to the other episode right to the very last two minutes. This isn't the quote. This is just me talking. Moore is out one day promoting the Roswell book when here's the quote. I got a phone call after appearing on a radio show from a man who said, quote within a quote, You're the only person we've heard talk about this subject who seems to know what he's talking about. End quote. Within a quote. We're still in the quote, though. He convinced me that he was a government intelligence agent and wanted to begin disseminating some information about UFOs to the public. End quote. In exchange for providing the researcher with new information, Moore was to observe specific individuals within the UFO field. Now, I have to ask. After the books Moore had written that are highly, highly criticized for being mostly made up, fabricated, poor research, whatever, as we went over in the last episode. And one-sided, yes. Yeah. What do you think about this Falcon person saying Moore is the only person that seems to know what they're talking about? It seems to me somebody who wants to spread something particular out. Yeah, I went back and forth on it. I think there's a couple of things. Yeah, Yeah, and this came up when I was doing research for my episode that'll be coming up. It seems like... 
he is getting fed information from somewhere that wants bad information to come out. I'll leave it at that until I get yeah. to my episode. Yeah, it's a major kind of theme that's coming up that we'll see. I think there's a couple of things that could be at play here, and it very well could be all of these things coinciding together. Number one, Moore is feeding his ego. Because this is a quote from Moore about what's going on. Number two, Falcon is leaning into the fact that they're recruiting him to be a disinformation agent and using flattery. And they're going after the author of very popular books at the time who have a huge following. Yeah, that's the other part of it is it could just simply be the fame is what this guy's looking for. Not necessarily somebody who is good at critically analyzing information, but that can Mm -hmm. get it out there to a wider audience. Yeah. And number three, Falcon is a fucking idiot. So it could be one, it could be all of those. It could be more things. (laughs) Or it could be Dodie. Yeah. It's it's Richard Dodie. (laughs) And in which case refer back to point number three. Uh, you know what? I can't say that Dodie is an idiot. Actually, I do. Oh, no, Dodie's a bit of an idiot. Yeah. But, I mean, he's done a good job at what he's been trying to do. Whatever it is he's trying to do. Anyhow, more eagerly accepts. He's like, yeah, I'm fucking doing this. I am pretty great. Yeah, yeah, I am pretty good. Bill Moore quote probably at some point. Now, let's see what shenanigans Moore gets up to in this episode. And who is going to be the first ufologist on their hit list that they wanted to target, as I said in the quote? Why Paul Benowitz, of course. Now, that was my intro. Let's find out just what I'm talking about. Of course, we've covered Paul Benowitz indirectly at this point in the form of Richard Doty. And while Moore did come up very briefly in the story of Paul Benowitz in Richard Doty's episode, I seem to have underestimated the role that he had played in the whole affair, not only just because, but also because it was not an episode on Paul Benowitz or Bill Moore. The focus was on Richard Doty, as it was a Richard Doty episode. So (laughs) I feel like we told the Paul Benowitz story in the form of Richard Doty, and now we're doing it in the form of Bill Moore. And I feel like poor Paul Benowitz hasn't been represented fairly. But that's just an observation at this point. We may never do anything about that. We may never. We may. There's there's a lot to get to. And we've covered this story a lot now. (laughs) Yeah. We're going to have another episode containing Paul Benowitz, but from another perspective on Bill Moore's role. It's all very artistic. It's the most artistic way we could do this. So, to make a very, very long story short, the late Paul Benowitz was an investigator with the Aerial Phenomena Research Organization, or APRO, in Tucson, Arizona. He was a successful businessman and UFO sympathizer. Benowitz was also of the belief that there was a serious plot involving an extensive network of underground UFO bases connected to an alien colonization and control scheme to gain mastery over the human race. Benowitz also claimed to have uncovered evidence of aliens controlling people using electronic devices and furthermore claimed UFOs were frequently observed near Kirtland Air Force Base in Albuquerque, New Mexico, which was connected to secret tunnels in the mountains of nearby Monsanto Nuclear Weapons Storage Facility and Coyote Test Range. How did Benowitz come to suspect all of this? 
He was convinced he was intercepting electronic communications originating from a secret underground UFO facility located outside of the town of Dulce, New Mexico. Unable to contain himself, Benowitz proceeded to sound the alert openly, much to the dismay of officials at APRO. There was also a reason for everything that I mentioned above that Benowitz adamantly believed in. There were people actively feeding him disinformation and straight up just fucking with the guy. Some from the government and others were, I don't know, like colleagues, I guess you could call them. And elaborately, too. Elaborately, yes. Yeah, I think you could call them colleagues. The government, in the forms of mostly Richard Doty, who was confirming the information that Benowitz had. And eventually Benowitz goes off the deep end and was institutionalized. So there's a lot to this story and how it all came to that. We go over it in a little bit more detail in the Richard Doty episode. I, I'm just going to jump off from here. That's about all you need to understand what's going on. I'll describe a little bit more as we go. But highly recommend the Richard Doty episode so that you can get more information on Paul Benowitz and just how he came to believe in all of that. It wasn't just, you know, some crazy person making this up. Let's check out what Bill Moore has to do with this. So where does he come into play in this story, you may ask? Pretend you asked, just in case you didn't. But that's what this episode is about, so I'm pretty sure you did ask. Oh, Chelsea. Where does Bill Moore come up in all of this? Okay, let's talk about it. Because you did ask. Good. <laughs> well, after his move to Arizona, that's Bill Moore, his existing connections with the UFO community resulted in him being invited to be a member of the board of directors at ERPO. This just so happened to have such perfectly precise timing to cross paths with the Paul Benowitz episode already in progress. And they, who is APRO, labeled the bizarre claims of Benowitz as delusional and paranoid. Apparently, according to Bill Moore. I'm not actually sure how credible that statement is, but this is Bill Moore saying that he was already labeled that. However, unknown to Benowitz, Moore and his new friends, which would be Richard Doty and friends, outside of the UFO community, plotted to not only discredit Benowitz, but psychologically destroy him. On December 29th and 30th of 1981, Bill Moore would meet with an unknown person to him at that time for the first time and the meeting was arranged by the anonymous caller as mentioned ending our previous episode and starting this episode. Moore contends that the anonymous caller was a person who they referred to affectionately as Falcon and the middleman who was Sparrow he was meeting with at this place was Sergeant Richard C. Doty. So their meeting and Richard Doty was then stationed at Kirtland Air Force Base which we just mentioned Paul Benowitz, you know, it having a play in this whole affair. P.S. We're pretty sure Falcon and Sparrow are the same person in retrospect. And on that point, I wonder what restaurant they met at. Like, I feel like it's Denny's. I get Denny's vibes from them. <laughs> I don't know. Denny's just seems like it might have too much flair. Do you think? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's the 80s, too. So there's not a lot of chains at this time. Okay. Okay. Good point. Anyhow, a couple of topics were discussed during this meeting of the minds, one of which will be covered in the next episode. But what we're truly interested- Sorry, I need to get back to this point. It's a restaurant yeah. that probably serves boiled steaks. Like, I feel like <laughs> yeah. that's the kind of food a Bill Moore eats. I think you're right. <laughs> What we're truly interested in right now is that this is precisely where 
the time, the place that Moore agrees to work with the government as a disinformation agent. Shortly thereafter, Moore claimed it became apparent that he was supplying information to the government through Doty on the activities of Paul Benowitz. I'm not sure why it took him so long to realize this when he agreed to it, but a oiled state was just so like good. A Bill Moore type of thing so to agreeable. Do. Yeah, it was so good. <laughs> First thing first, the two agreed to finish the discrediting of Paul Benowitz. This is where he was targeted. Well, with Moore being involved, he was already targeted. At this point, what's Bill Moore getting out of this? You know what? We'll get into it a little bit, but in my opinion, I have no fucking idea what he got out of it. We'll talk about it, and I think he kind of has a feeling of what he's getting out of it, but in my opinion, he's not getting anything. Not okay. one thing. So, great question. And I kind of have an idea what will come out of it, but we'll talk about that in my episode when we get there. And do you think he got anything out of it? <laughs> yes, further boiled steaks. <laughs> yeah. A lifetime supply. That's actually, no, he would never. Finishing discrediting of Paul Benowitz. I think I already said that, but it's important. The prime objective of the counterintelligence people who swarmed around Benowitz between 1980 and 1984 seemed to be the maintenance of high-level security net around the radio signals he was intercepting, if you remember me talking about that. He believed he was intercepting alien signals from an underground base. First things first, the two agreed to finish the discrediting of Paul Benowitz. I think I already said that, but it's important. So, quote from Bill Moore. The prime objective of the counterintelligence people who swarmed around Benowitz between 1980 and 1984 seemed to be the maintenance of a high-level security net around the radio signals he was intercepting. I was unable to determine why this was a priority at the time, and I still do not know today. What I do know, however, is that since they couldn't physically stop Paul from from intercepting these signals, and since they hadn't been successful in enlisting his voluntary silence, they fell back on a wall of disinformation as the best way to confuse the issue and ultimately to call his credibility into question." End quote. It would appear that this whistleblower was becoming more dangerous to himself and hardly needed to be pushed over the edge. That's Benowitz. Still, that is precisely what Moore, Doty, and friends did. Moore started to feed him pure misinformation information on the subject with the full intent that he would repeat this BS that they're feeding him publicly. Now, it's interesting that they say that because, well, interesting in the fact that I think Bill Moore would have had more pull than Benowitz would have at that time because he had those books. Yeah, Roswell had just come out in 1980, so he was a big deal, at least within the community. Hence probably why they picked him to spread it to Benowitz. But I guess Benowitz was just getting involved in things he shouldn't have, I guess. Next, they started playing mind games with the victim, Benowitz. For example, Moore personally described how they would go to Benowitz's home on occasions and slowly move the furniture around. I'm assuming that that was breaking and entering, not just brazenly in front of his face when they like went over for tea or whatever. Unless they got Benowitz's wife involved, in which case she was letting them in and doing that, but... Yeah, I'm assuming it's breaking and entering. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> in which case he has a lot more to kind of answer for. Yeah. But he doesn't really at all. It was just a joke, guys. Yeah, he doesn't address that. Moore explains when one's concept of their immediate environment begins to change, we start to lose touch with reality. Sadly, it all had a most negative impact on both the physical and psychological health of Benowitz. During that time, he was committed three times to a mental health facility and treated for severe delusional paranoia. It really sounds like he's taking no responsibility for anything going on with Benowitz. You're already picking up on that? It gets better. It gets way better. Yeah, we're starting to see the emergence of that. Yeah, we're just playing jokes on him and it clearly detached him from reality and sent him to the mental health hospital. He really takes a step back from the complete destruction they get on this guy psychologically. Yeah, that that's exactly kind of, oh, well, you're going to like this one. In Moore's words, as I will provide more information on next, like on the next, next episode, he maintains that, quote, you're going to like this one. My role in the affair was largely that of a freelancer providing information on Paul's current thinking and activities. I had nothing whatsoever to do with the counterintelligence and the disinformation, although I either knew or was aware of a number of people directly involved with that end of things. Richard Doty was one of these people, although I came to know Doty well enough to gain the impression that he was faithfully carrying out orders, which he personally found distasteful. So it's not my fault. I didn't have any part of this plan that they had. They just shaped it around the information I gathered about this guy to get his most vulnerable issues. Yeah. Is what I gathered from that. And he's kind of playing it off as he didn't have the hand in it that he actually did. Yeah, they wouldn't have been as effective if they don't have somebody right next to him saying like, oh yeah, and he told me like, he fears spiders. So they said, okay, we're just going to fill his house with spiders then. Yeah, and this is coming right after I said that he was literally breaking into his home and like moving furniture around. But he's like, I was just providing information. Placing the spiders, yeah. He does also directly conflict that information, like I just said, that he did actually know what he was doing in the very same statement, might I add. So, more in his own words regarding the Benowitz affair, spends a considerable amount of time, if not all of it, essentially alluding that Benowitz was asking for it because quote, he seemed to have an implicit and abiding faith, end quote. In Benowitz's story, quote, blossomed into a tale which rivaled the wildest science fiction scenario anyone could possibly imagine, end quote. Another quote, basically it seemed to me that Paul was his own worst enemy. Instead of withholding judgment until all the facts were in, Paul insisted on repeatedly going off half-cocked to virtually anyone who would listen, end quote. He spends a great deal of time breaking down everything Paul did wrong and minimizing the role that everyone was playing to actively feed him this information to ensure that he believed it and went public with it. That's all concerning enough. Then he says Richard Doty found what he was doing to be distasteful. Now, Bill Moore, we are not fools. (laughs) We know about Richard Doty. He did not find that distasteful. This, just based on that last little bit, it's a little bit behind the scenes, but it's almost victim blaming. Like he's saying like this guy kind of deserves it from his crazy outlandish ideas. Yeah. 
Like, what do you expect to happen when you have crazy ideas like this? Look how short the skirt is he's wearing. He's not even saying that. He's saying he wasn't good at researching. Like, what can we do if he wasn't good at what he did? He deserved it. Yeah. He was just asking for it. And the fact that Bill Moore's the guy saying, look how bad you are at research is kind of funny, too. In, in a dark way. It go- I know. It goes on. It goes on. Because Benowitz was asking for it, he further goes on to justify the means to an end. Quote. You ready for more quotes? Yeah. <laughs> These are all coming directly from him. And you're going to find out where he said all of this. Whatever it was Benowitz was involved with, he was the subject of considerable interest on the part of not one but several government agencies, and that they were actively trying to defuse him by pumping as much disinformation through him as he could possibly absorb. Being a very small part of that process gave me, I thought, something of an advantage. It became my intention to play that advantage for all the information I could get. That's right. Moore, of course, was not being played. He was going to secretly work behind the scenes to find out just what the government was up to and who was more qualified to do that than Moore in his work. From Richard Doty. (laughs) Yeah, the most witty and cunning of all the ufologists. If anyone can do it, surely it's Moore. He continues. Quote, the problem was always one of keeping a level head and trying to carefully sort the crap from the candy, something which Paul didn't seem to me to be very good at. End quote. Yeah, that fucking Paul, he'll just believe anything the government tells him. What an idiot. It's almost like he didn't know he was being completely plotted against and fed government documents. Like, he's completely not taking into account the fact that he yeah. has a bird's eye view of what's happening. He is not of the mind. Have you ever heard, what's it called? It's a, like the state of consciousness, what they look like with children, like when they're three years old, and they'll yeah. like show them a picture of somebody hiding candy in a room. And then they'll wonder why when somebody goes into the room, they don't look immediately where <laughs> the candy is hidden. And it's because they don't understand that different people have different information. It's not all people have the exact same information. This is what it reminds me of. Oh my god, that's a good point. And Chelsea, I just need to ask you at this point, because this guy seems to lack a certain understanding of things. Mm -hmm. Please say this quote's not coming from his eulogy at Benowitz's funeral. I just need to make sure this guy's not that no, misunderstanding no, of no. Shufflepuff. No, and we're going to find out next okay, episode good. where all of this comes from. I'm sorry to hold it over to tell you where this information's coming from, but you'll know next episode where it's coming from. When I started reading this, I was like, surely he cannot be this stupid to be like, I'm the hero in this story. And Richard Doty was doing the Lord's work. <laughs> It's basically saying, like, no matter what, this guy was going to get what's coming to him. So I can get some information out of it that I would find super useful about the government. So I might as well just do this minimal part to make this guy's life a living hell. Basically, what he's thinking is they say, and I think it comes up, and I'm going to ruin it for when it comes up in this. But even in the Richard Doty episode, they say with every chunk of BS they threw at the wall, there is a little bit of truth. That's what Bill Moore is going after, that little bit of truth. And he thinks that he's going to be able to outcun the people who are feeding all this BS. Like, he's there to find out that little bit of truth. 
So that's why he's saying, well, Paul couldn't do it, so I'm going to do it because I am far superior to Paul Benowitz, and he deserved it. And Richard Doty even said that to me, so I (laughs) believe it to be true. That is one of the pieces of true information being fed to me. That could be very well why he did it, too. Now we're finding out more things that he's like the messiah that's going to come in and find the answers of what the government really knows about the government, the real answers, the why. And he was willing to do whatever it took to get there. He goes on to say, quote, one of the key factors in any successful disinformation scheme is that it must contain some element of truth in order to be credible. Here it is. It was literally my next sentence. Knowing that, however, is one thing. Doing something with it is quite another. When you're dealing with what you know to be a classified program and you're determined to get information without breaking any laws and running afoul of national security, you're walking a very fine line. That's why it took so long to come up with any results. What results he's speaking of? I have not one fucking idea because I don't believe he had any results except becoming the renowned ufologist in bed with the government feeding disinformation to his peers. Quite hated, in fact. He never published another thing. He never came out with anything else. Ever. So for him to be taking this stance on it as if he was successful is like a stretch. It's a fairy tale. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he did fairly well on the speaking engagements tour at the ufology conventions, but... I, I can only imagine pretending yeah. as if I don't know what's going to happen next. Okay. <laughs> next quote, because they're coming up so good. These are good quotes. Oh, there I was with my foot literally in the door of a secret counterintelligence game that gave every appearance of being somehow directly connected to a high-level government UFO project and, judging by the positions of the people I knew to be directly involved with it, definitely had something to do with national security. There is no way I was going to allow the opportunity to pass me by without learning at least something about what was going on. Many ufologists have run up against disinformation over the years. Virtually all of them viewed it as a negative process and backed away from it either in anger or disgust as soon as they discovered what they were dealing with. Even today, the UFO community unanimously considers anyone known or suspected of dealing in disinformation as one of the bad guys to be shamed, to be shunned or avoided at all costs, and certainly never ever to be believed. I determined to take quite a different tack. I would play the disinformation game, get my hands dirty just often enough to lead those directing the process into believing I was doing exactly what they wanted me to do, and all the while continuing to burrow my way into the matrix so as to learn as much possible about who was directing it and why. It would be a classic case of turning the tables on the very ones who were the most confident they had the situation well in hand. There was just one thing I needed to do this. Secrecy! I couldn't tell anyone about what I was doing, for if I did and word got back to those in control, I would be immediately cut off and cast adrift before I could learn anything. It was a formidable problem. So there we have it. He was actually on our side the whole time. the whole time smarter than the government itself yeah in that he would be able to get god okay the government saw right past that they thought he was the guy to do this but he was working against them this seems like some idiot that we can trick (laughs) (laughs) 
he knows they were dealing with. Trick him not. He did not know. They did not know that he was to turn the tables and come up with nothing. (laughs) Just another part of disinformation. The fools. I wonder what happens to him in the end. He must have not been a hated person providing that disinformation. I can't see how it turns out this way. He he got no. all his ducks in a row, and they are just walking straight towards the creek. Yeah. Remember that time Bill Moore wrote that book that everyone knows now and is famous, that he found all that stuff the government was doing? The yeah, real stuff, to that the fool, wacky. Richard Doty, thinking he couldn't discern it. It's famous, you know it. Okay, so he goes on to say, my role in the Benowitz affair had had at least secured me a seat in the right theater. From there, it was only a question of whether I could use my balcony ticket to discover who owned the place and was making the major operational decisions. You can't figure out who owns places from the balcony. Yeah. It's a terrible (laughs) metaphor. Questionable ethics, I would think. However, this guy is thinking as questionable as his metaphors. That Doty is a stand-up guy. Okay. So last but not least on the Benowitz affair, I'm going to leave you with yet another direct quote from more on the subject, and we will get to closing thoughts on the matter, and then one more thing, which is one more thing. I really like this because basically everything I pulled on the Benowitz affair is right from Bill Moore's fucking mouth. <laughs> There's no hearsay in this. I just can't believe he doesn't realize how this comes across. It's tone deaf, isn't it? It's completely tone deaf. And you're going to love where it came from. So here's the last quote on the Benowitz case. Moreover, as I have already stated, I was personally aware of the intelligence community's concerted efforts to systematically confuse, discourage, and discredit Paul by providing him with a large body of disinformation on the subject of UFOs, the malevolent aliens who allegedly pilot them, the technology they employ, and the underground bases they supposedly possess and occupy. Okay, so he's admitting it. The entire story of a secret treaty between the U.S. government and the aliens, of exchanges of technology between us and the aliens, of battles between aliens and American armed forces, and of aliens allegedly having implanted hundreds of thousands, even millions of human beings for the purposes of taking over the world and using us as cattle or slaves, came as a result of this process. I know because I was in a position to observe much of this process as it unfolded, and I was providing regular reports on its effectiveness to some of the very people who were quote doing it to Paul and I can tell you that it was effective because I watched Paul become systematically more paranoid and more emotionally unstable as he tried to assimilate what was happening to him. He had guns and knives all over his house had installed extra locks on his door and he swore that they meaning the aliens were coming through his walls at night and injecting him with hideous chemicals which would knock him out for long periods of time. He told me he had no idea what they were doing with him while he was knocked out. He began to suffer increasing bouts of insomnia. Others took over the day-to-day operation of his business as he went through this. One day I watched him eat not one bite of his lunch while he chain-smoked 28 cigarettes in 45 minutes. Jesus Christ. 
I knew at the time that he was not far from the inevitable nervous collapse. His health had deteriorated, he had lost considerable weight, his hands shook as if from palsy, and he looked terrible. I do know from first-hand experience that there was a tremendous amount of government disinformation involved and that a large portion of what they we are hearing today about malevolent aliens, underground bases, and secret treaties with the US government has its roots firmly planted in the Benowitz affair. From what I knew of all of this, its purpose was strictly to discredit Benowitz, nothing more. And what amazes me is that nearly a decade later, these same stories continue to circulate. End of that quote. Okay. It's a little hard to take in, isn't it? It's the most tone-deaf thing I've ever heard. Oh, and no, you're you're hearing this guy describe a man's inevitable breakdown to suicide. And he just watched it. But look at all this good stuff that's happening. And like not describing like, you don't even hear him say like, I felt terrible about what happened to Paul. There's no like, I could have helped him, but I chose not to. Um, He does go on to say that he was not under any sort of agreement with the government that did not allow him to divulge this information. Oh, yeah. So he voluntarily drove this guy to suicide. That's great to know. Yeah. That's and standing by and watching it happen is just as bad. Even if he did not do anything, which he did, but doesn't seem to want to readily admit. He kind of passively admits it. One last thing I want to quickly touch on on this episode is one other quick disinformation scandal Moore was a part of. Another on a long list, which is the Aztec crash, which is a rumored UFO crash in Aztec, New Mexico in 1948, which is labeled the other Roswell. It was exposed as a hoax by two con men, Silas and Leo, as a part of a scheme to sell alien technology. Moore researched this case in 1985 and confirmed that it was a hoax, where his findings appeared in MUFON Symposium proceedings. Quote, crashed UFOs evidence in the search for proof, end quote. Anyway, this is what Moore had to say about this whole fiasco, I guess. Moore and Doty were having tea one day or like maybe eating at their milk steak or whatever, or something. And Dodie was probably like working on like anything we can fuck with. And Moore was like, well, I've been working on this Aztec UFO rumor. And Dodie's like, hmm, you don't say, tell me everything. And months later, Moore finds out that Dodie and a team are running a new disinformation campaign on another ufologist who had ties to Benowitz and who had a film company interested in doing a UFO documentary. It appears as if the Benowitz story might have became a part of the script, therefore extending the disinformation to this person to put an end to that. Part of this game involved a meeting between the UFO researcher in question and Doty and others of the AFOSI office in Kirtland Air Force Base, wherein the researcher subsequently claimed to have been allowed to view certain reportedly sensitive documentation about the government's real involvement with UFOs. Included in this material was information about an alleged UFO crash retrieval in Aztec. And I really like this next part. Richard Doty, who is, this is Bill Moore talking, by the way, bound by a security oath, cannot, and I am told, will not discuss this matter except to say that he broke no laws and gave away no secrets that day. That insofar as I am aware is entirely correct. I, on the other hand, was never required to sign a security oath, and I'm therefore breaking no laws when I tell you that the information which changed hands that day was directly descended from the discussion Doty and I had on the very topic a few months earlier. 
I can also tell you that this is a very effective deception because the researcher involved continued to believe this information and actively continues to try to convince others of its truth even now, more than six years after the fact. Moore contends that, to the best of his knowledge, it was all disinformation and I was the one who had unwittingly supplied the fuel to those who were spreading the fire. I'm surprised he said unwittingly because he seems to be taking a little bit of an aback there. He does kind of the whole time though, no? <laughs> no, but before he's like, no, I'm playing them, but unwittingly implies that you don't oh, yeah. understand what's happening. As if you don't just talk to Richard Doty and give him information for no reason, just for the pure joy of talking to Richard Doty. That's all I want to cover. I just wanted to say like, here's another thing he was involved in. One final okay. comment on the Aztec hoax is that two other researchers who self-published a voluminous book, UFO Crash at Aztec on the Affair in 1987, chose to completely omit any mention of, this is Bill Moore talking again. Jeez, I really have to figure out these quotes. Yeah. <laughs> They're very confusing. Especially for the reader. So the authors chose to completely omit any mention of my extensive and definitive research on the case, which had been published two years earlier, and which both researchers had copies of. It's a classic. Yeah, who would have thought that people would forego Bill Moore research? Who knew? He is so great at it, like nobody would ever. It's a classic case of the book's principal author, Steinman, having decided that what his conclusion would be even before beginning the process of investigation, and then <laughs> totally ignoring everything which didn't fit. One of the problems the ufology movement has with its image is that there's a significant number of people involved with it who support this sort of half-assed journalism. Kind of like his other two bestsellers, no? <laughs> and that's where I'm going to leave it. The only thing I believe about this man now, outside of that he enjoys his steak boiled, is that there are no mirrors in his house because there's just no self-reflection. None at all. And it's pretty much like everything that he ever did is like, I, I don't even know how to explain it. I don't think he knows either. It, it's based on, like, immediate thoughts. That's it. That's it. <laughs> the best thing, way I could put this together is just Bill Moore speaking for himself. I felt like I couldn't even put this into my own words to explain the amount- Without making him look worse or better, man. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly how he put his other two books together. And he's just like, Puh. Only the worst researchers would put it together like this. <laughs> what are they? half ass get lazy ass yes. who just want to buy? Bill Moore, in the best researcher, says Richard Doty. <laughs> Yeah. If I half-assed my book, then that would mean that all of my critical thinking processes are in question. But that can't be, because Dodi told me they are not, yeah, and that I could exactly. probably play the government. There's no way I'm bad because the government came to me <laughs> to be the disinformation agent. I was pretty mind-blown by the time I got to the end of this research. But that's all I have for you today on Bill Moore. I hope it was satisfying. Do you have any last words? No, I think Bill Moore put it best. <laughs> he did put it best. I'm quite satisfied with the fact that majority of that episode came directly from Bill Moore. Yeah. yeah. And 
Unfortunately, not much of the next episode will come from Bill Moore, but don't worry, he will be there in all of his blandness. <laughs> I guess for now, I have been Taylor here with Chelsea. We are Dream to the Fringe. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to Journey to the Fringe. If you have liked what you have listened to, please like, share, subscribe, or follow, depending on what venue you are listening to us through. Also, please, if possible, leave a five-star review, as that really helps us in the algorithms. Should you wish to interact with us, please check us out on your social media of choice. I bet you we are there. And if you really want to communicate with us and give us ideas for new episodes, or tell us that we're wrong and terrible, either way, please send us an email at journeytothefringe at gmail.com. For now, I'll see you in the next episode. Uh